2: A mega episode of Wizards After Dark today. A giant episode. A, a, a humongous triple double sized episode of Wizards After Dark. I guess it's more of a a single double cuz you're getting two you're getting two podcasts for the price of one today. We're going to we're going to go through a couple of things. First off, on my post draft podcast with Ben Standig on the other day, which you can still go and listen to, we really just broke down the Westbrook trade because that was just that was the big thing from the day. And uh, you know, Ben was leading into Washington Football Team training camp because he's down in wherever the heck they have training camp and doing it from a hotel at eight in the morning. And I was running on. Literally no sleep. And for all I know, I was completely delirious and it was a horrible listening experience for all of you. So if that was the case, I appreciate you actually coming back for this one. Uh, we didn't touch on the Corey Kispert pick at all. And they drafted Kispert number 15. Obviously, that's, you know, any first round pick is an important pick for your franchise. And uh, that was something I really wanted to get to. So we're going to start off today's podcast. I'm having on Michele Bera who longtime listeners of the podcast know well uh, to, to talk about Kispert and his fit and the Wizards drafting him at 15. And then after Michele, uh, we are going to be welcoming in Dave Defour onto the podcast, my colleague at The Athletic. And Dave is on about a million podcasts for us over at The Athletic. And again, longtime listeners know who he is and Dave and I are going to be breaking down Wizards free agency stuff. So we're going to go into a long free agency preview and talk about everything you can think of free agency trades all that kind of stuff because NBA free agency begins monday august 2nd that night and it's coming right up we're recording this thing on sunday morning and i am proud and excited to welcome into the podcast to start us off michele vera what's up man
0: well first of all thank you for having me back and second wow i'm glad that i I mean i'm honored to be in the same podcast as Dave before even if um we have like a two-part podcast that is that is great and and again the draft was here uh and it was an exciting night and i think that the wizards got a good one um so i'm i'm glad to talk about him and and
2: i, I just want people to know like if you start to hyperventilate during this podcast nothing's wrong with you it's just because italy just won a gold medal in dragon field <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, when you, when you grew up like watching uh, hundred meters and it's always America, America, I mean, Morris Green to me was a hero because it it was the only sprinter that, I mean, that I could relate. I mean, it was so great. And in Italy, we don't have sprinters and and now we won the gold medal. So it's, um, it's kind of fun. It's a, it's a good day for Italy in terms of sport. So, so yeah. You ready to talk some Kispert? Yeah, yeah. Let's get into Kispert. All right. I mean, so
2: second, second, second time in three years the Wizards drafted Gonzaga guy, which makes you particularly yep. qualified to come on and talk about this thing because you've done work <laughs> with Gonzaga in the past and on the analytics side, yep. and uh, you know you were obviously extremely familiar with Rui Hachimura when they drafted him because of that, and uh, and now and now Kispert. I mean, I think everybody agrees that the fit there is really obvious. They finished mm-hmm. 23rd in three-point percentage last year, and they were 29th in three-point rate, which is the percentage uh-huh. of, of field goal attempts that actually came from the three-point line. And Kispert isn't just somebody who shot 44% from three last year. I mean, he can shoot at all angles. He can run off screens. He can shoot off the move. I mean, he can. he's going to get up attempts if you have someone who can create them for him. Uh, and and that's somebody who, you know, he's 22 years old. Tommy Shepard said after They believe he can come in and help right away. I mean, the the fit is – he was mocked there by a lot of people. We talked about him on previous podcasts. I mean, the fit makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah, it, it made perfect sense before uh, the trade. It still makes perfect sense because I, I think that even if you give um, more of the point guard duties to to Beal or to um, maybe, maybe uh, Washington will go in another direction, maybe adding a few ball handlers. Kispert makes sense in every team uh, and especially a team that, as you mentioned, has a three-point rate that is low. Kispert will put that up because... Like, really, the only thing that he does, which only seems uh, seems bad, but it's basically Kisper does three-point shooting and attacking off of uh, chances that are created by his gravity. So, he's really a very, very... um good offensive prospect. Um, I I think that, as you mentioned, he is good at anything related to shooting. He can shoot it off the catch, he will constantly moving around, which is something that I really love uh, in terms of basketball prospects, because uh, right now, shooting, stance shooting is still valuable, but if you are like a 44% guy that moves around and creates space for his own shot, that is extremely valuable and help the other teammates on the court. Um, I remember uh, watching uh, like Joe Harris and others, like moving around and screening, that is extreme. Clay Thompson does it at, at, at such an elite level. I mean, if Corey Kispert can do that with Beal, that will unlock so much for Washington in general, but but for Beal especially, because Kispert will have gravity. He's a guy that will hit forty percent of his shots. Um, he will be open because I mean Beal has a lot of gravity, and so maybe he will he'll have some some kind of space space. But over time. I think that Kispert will be a guy like Bertans that if you are not glued to him, he will he will make you pay.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that makes perfect sense. I think that uh, is why you see like the the Doug McDermott comparisons for him. The way you talk about yeah. how he isn't just a shooter, but he can attack. I mean, McDermott, if you yes. close out hard on him, he'll put the ball on the floor. He's become really good at that, uh, and I think that that kind of makes sense with those comparisons. I mean, was okay. he's around at fifteen. I think we agree. It's a, it's a, at the very least, it's an extremely reasonable, defensible pick. He's somebody, you know, their team, yeah. even without the Westbrook trade, they're going to try to win next year. It's not like yes. they traded Westbrook and now they're breaking things down and they're, you know, even, even if Beal, you know, wants to stay, which I, I think right now, the sentiment is that he does want to stay. Um uh, mm-hmm. Even if he wants to stay, and even if Beal says, you know, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I understand what's going on here. They're 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 trying to be good next year. They're not trying to break things down. They're not trying to trade KCP for a protected first round pick. I mean, that's not something you're going to see happening unless there's some sort of corresponding move that actually makes them better for next year. I don't think they're trying to trade a bunch of first rounders for somebody who's only pretty good either. Uh, but but I think they're still at the point where like. They're basically trying to tread that line, and Kispert is somebody you can help right away. That being said, uh, number 15, Wizards are on the board. They haven't made the pick yet. Just a reminder for people because Thursday was a total blur and the Wizards made 972 moves. <laughs> but let's, let's remind people. So Kispert's on the board. They almost ended up potentially having Moses Moody, which, by the way, would have been really Interesting, because do you know yeah. what AAU Moses? What AAU team Moses Moody played for?
0: Uh, I think it was the same as Cade and Barnes. Yes, am I am wrong? It, it is. Bird, you know,
2: you right? know, Yes, but you know who who where he was right before that? No, he was with a team, and and I'll give you one guess as to which NBA player is involved in this team. He was with a team called the Bradley Beal Elite. <laughs> So, it would have been very interesting uh, if Moody fell one more pick and they ended yeah. up, you know, Moody ended up going 14 to Golden State. And I have said on this podcast, I really like Moody. I, I really like that pick from Golden State. Uh, but it would have been very interesting if you had Moody and Kispert, yeah. uh, Kispert, by the way, who is Beals' agency, going up against Beals, AAU guy. I think that would have been a very funny thing, which never actually came to fruition. But when the Wizards are picking, Kispert's on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shangun ends up going after him at 16 Trey Murphy is there who kind of similar vibes to Kispert where shooter that's the guy yeah Um, that's the guy I want to discuss yeah Yeah. Trey Trey man Kai Jones is there Uh, Jalen Johnson is there Keon Johnson is there if if you're I mean what is your breakdown we're going back in time to the Wizards have five minutes on the clock what is your breakdown are you still taking Kispert in that situation
0: um, I I would be torn uh, between him and Trey Murphy. Uh, I'm very, very high on Murphy, uh, personally. I think that he will be a guy that's ready to play right away. Uh, he will not have the same impact that Corey Kisper can have offensively. That is, to me, uh, for sure. Because he he's not the guy that is comfortable moving around. He's more of a spot-up shooter. Uh, strictly but defensively he has way more upside than kispert uh he's a guy that can probably play two to four in terms of um uh defensive assignment um he's long uh and so he i mean he's a guy that i would have taken right after Moses moody so maybe if it's me uh then it's probably murphy but it's close uh it's very close kispert on the other hand if, if kispert can do the same thing that he does that he did uh, at a college level in the NBA. Then, then, then basically it's a draw between the two. The only thing that to me Kispert had had shown in college that worries me. It's not the defensive side. We all know that he's not a great defender. Um, he's not a bad athlete, but he's just not quick enough laterally, and so that will that will create some issues in terms of guarding. Carrying um, guys on switches and, and this is what basically Baylor did for the entire um, NCAA championship game uh, just find Kispert playing one-on-one leave him on, the highlo- on, on an island and, and then just just like beat him off the dribble now Gonzaga doesn't have any rim protection because his team is not a great rim protector and so maybe um, if you can somehow pair him with someone that has a little bit more uh, defensive upside yeah yeah maybe him Gafford's uh, a great defensive be, match for him yeah, so maybe if you have a, like a backline uh, of defense that allows him to be a little bit more conservative defensively, then he is a smart guy. So he will never make make like mistakes on rotations. He is very very smart. He knows where to be. He has a very good feel of his positioning. But uh, back to the, the offensive side, I mean, he had just one point per possession when he was guarded in college, and and I wonder if that. How, how that changes with the speed of the closeout that will dra- dramatically change in the NBA. Like at college level, the closeout is, is different. Uh, you don't have guys that are super uber athletes that are running at you at the speed that you will have in the NBA. If that Remains like one point per possession when guarded. Then I think that Kispert may have some issues in terms of translating his offensive power uh, to the NBA. If that improves, if that is just a fluke, uh, because when you when you have like 70 possessions, that that is a good sample size, but not a great sample size. So maybe it, it, maybe it's just luck. Um, and so I wonder. That is the only part of his game offensively that, to me, has some still some question marks
2: yeah i think that's fair i mean w- what's going to be really interesting as well is he's going to have nba creators for him too and this is the other side of the coin mm-hmm. where i mean yeah. look he has played with some really talented players and Suggs. i i love Suggs. i think he's going to be really good but when you have bradley beal creating for you that's a mm-hmm. different animal when you're off the ball And, you know, you're on the weak side or in the corner or something like that. And you have Beal creating for you. And I think one kind of interesting comp is just because they play. And I know like every single time we're comparing Kispert to white guys. But I swear this is only because he plays the same position and has experience playing with Bradley Beal. But one interesting comp of what happens when you have a guy setting screens for Beal and popping to the three point line at that position when you can shoot you know, 40 plus percent at that height in that position or in the weak side corner mm-hmm. or whatever is Davis Berton's two years ago, not Berton's last yep. year, which was a different dynamic. And, uh, you know, Westbrook was there as well. And Bertans was out of shape. Uh, I'm talking Berton's two years ago and, and look, the expectation is not that Kispert is going to be chucking from 30 feet. And those are, that's not the type of impact I'm talking about, but mm-hmm. Bertans shot like 55% from the corners his first year with yeah. the Wizards. And and I think a really telling stat, if you want to talk about it, is when Beal and Bertans, were, the Wizards were really lacking in offensive talent that year, if you recall, like really lacking. And yeah. they actually yeah. ran a, a really nice offensive system, a lot of movement, tons of dribble handoffs with Beal. Beal finished the year, he didn't even go to the bubble and missed maybe five games or so in the middle of the year as well. So he ended up missing double-digit games. Mm -hmm. And he still ended up, if you check the second spectrum leaders, he still ended up leading the league in dribble handoffs received, like, by far. I think by hundreds of dribble handoffs. That's how often he was moving around off-ball screens and grabbing handoffs and all that kind of stuff. And that was a lot of their... Offense and it opened things up and I think the most telling stat about how well Beal and Bertans worked that year was that offense was about league average with talent that should have had them less than league average and when Beal and mm-hmm. Bertans were on the floor together that team scored hundred and twenty one points per hundred possessions that year
0: yeah that's insane
2: which is an outrageous like for perspective yeah. that's better than the Nets were this past season uh, that's an outrageous yeah. number and and Beal is very good. When he is in a facilitating position, he's very good at figuring out how to manipulate a defense. And shooters can be very good at helping him manipulate. Uh, I just I see that being a nice pairing if you're going to put those two together. And if you put Kispert and Beal and Bertans out there together, first of all, holy crap, you're going to be giving up a lot of points.
0: But also, (laughs) holy crap, I think you're going to score a crap ton of points too. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, my whole my argument is, well, what if he shots just uh, one point per possession, I mean, like 33.5% from three when he's guarded? Well, the good news is he's guarded. So someone else will have space. Uh, and that is extremely important. I mean, if, if you have a shooter that, that can create space and when he's guarded, I mean, and it's always guarded, it means that the team will not be able to double neither on batons nor on Beal. And so, that, that, like, good job. <laughs> you have done what what you're... I mean, uh, y- you've done your job, basically. So, um, the only point, again, between him and Murphy is that I, I really think that Trey Murphy will be a crazy good three, uh, three-point shooter. I mean, he will have probably 40-plus percent from the corners from day one, because this is basically the situation in which he played the most at Virginia. Um, so... I really think that the defensive side is, the defensive upside of Murphy was something that probably the Wizards need, uh, but but on the other side, you don't have the same dynamic shooting off the dribble and off the movement that, that Kispert has, so I'm fine with the choice. Uh, I really think that it's it's basically a coin flip between the two, and and the other guys, I mean, you mentioned Shingun, uh, Trey Mann, Kai Jones, the Johnsons. I mean, no. Uh, to me, it was between him and uh, between Murphy and Kispert, and that's it for the Wizards. I don't see Shengun as a good fit, nor a, a player that can help immediately. I mean, uh, if you tell me that, well, tomorrow Bill will ask out, then then yes, you probably go high upside with Shengun. But you cannot do that, like unless Brad comes to your office before draft day and says, "Well, trade me because I'm I don't want to be here," then you probably go high upside. Um, but if not, Oh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and I don't think that's happening. And yeah.
2: certainly yeah, the no Wizards it, don't it think that's happening. Happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or, or happening but soon, is,
0: you know. But, but even then, I mean, do, do you really risk it? I mean, you, you, you trade for a guy. You, you always, I mean, the last two drafts, or at least the, um, the past draft, I mean, you already took a guy that has upside. So I mean, if if you really need to to to, and again, Shengun has upside, but he's a weird prospect. I mean, it's a, it's it's tough. The other the other guys that, that were behind Kispert, I mean, it's I don't I don't think that anyone would um, have drafted like a guy like I don't know may, maybe Presty, <laughs> Trey Mann, but but it's uh, there is no value for the Wizards to go um, to draft someone else uh, instead of Kispert. Again, Murphy to to me, Murphy wasn't talk. With the wizards because it makes so much sense. But I'm fine because again, if you if you really want to implement, uh, and I don't know anything about the the new coaching staff, so I don't know what they want to do. But if they want to implement uh, a motion heavy system, which is something that I really like, then having Kispert instead of Murphy gives you so much more because the guy he's he's so good at understanding where it should be, uh, like. In two seconds from now, uh, if that makes sense, like not now, but where where I should be in two seconds, and, and he's so good at being in the, in the in the exact spot where he needs to be on offense, that is that will create so much for others, and I, I have no doubts about that. Again, the the translation of the three point percentage in the end will be the swing factor, but he can do so much more for you on offense. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised.
2: I mean, I, I they do want to implement more emotion into the offense. I mean, Wes Unsell Jr., before the trade, told me flat out that one of the things that he wants to do is kind of eliminate a lot of the one pass and no pass possessions they had last year. And, you know, obviously with Westbrook gone, that's something that will be a lot easier. Look, criticism aside, and people always phrase this as a criticism with Westbrook. This is not, I'm not even saying it as a criticism. It is just a, it is an objective stylistic observation that Russell Westbrook offenses don't move the ball as much. That's just the way it works. I mean, second spectrum started tracking passes per game in 2013, and no Russell Westbrook team has finished above 27th in passes per game since second spectrum started tracking That's that stat. It's going to be a lot easier yeah. to put in a motion offense uh, with Westbrook not there, and and I agree with you. I think Kispert is, is somebody that will help there. I uh, They had him 10th on their draft board. So I know they were excited to get him at 15 and they deemed that mm-hmm. good value. I think they like Trey Murphy a lot too, for what it's worth. Uh, yeah. I, I heard Murphy killed his workout for them. I heard they were super yeah. impressed with his workout and that he shot the lights out in his workout. Um, yeah. and I, I think Murphy is someone who in general, uh, Murphy and, and Duarte, were were constantly names that i got told as as when i would ask teams around the league hey who unexpectedly just killed their workout murphy and duarte were were two guys who who i were told were uh you know, th- those were common answers for that, and uh, I don't yeah. think it's a surprise that Duarte came into the draft with people thinking he was a guy in the low 20s, and then come draft day, people are like, well, the Wizards could take him at 15, and Indiana could take him at 13, and the Lakers might try to trade up to take him early because they really like him, and it's like, yeah, he killed his workout everywhere, and people really liked him and saw what he could do. Uh And, uh, you know, I think Murphy is another one of those guys who performed really well, and uh, you know, if Mur- they take Murphy at 15, I, I, I'd probably feel pretty similarly to Kispert. It- it's just kind of a, it's just kind of a bet that I think they think Kispert will be better for them than Murphy and, and that's it. But I, I think they probably would have been happy if they ended up with him too. Cause from what I gather,
0: they liked, they liked him a lot. Yeah. And it makes sense. Again, uh, it, it helps in two, in two spots, uh, that, that, that really help, that, that, that the Wizards really need, I mean, shooting and, and defense. So I would have been, been surprised of uh, like hearing otherwise. Uh, with Duarte, I don't know. Um, maybe maybe I'm, I'm too age-centric, but to me, I mean, Kispert is already borderline for me in terms of draft age. But the, the point to me uh, with, with Kispert is that he's 22, and if it's the same guy that was in college in the NBA, that's great. That's great value at, at 15. Uh, with Duarte, I, I just don't know. There are different things that to me comes into place. Like um I don't think he's as translatable as 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 Kispert is um for different reasons. But but you know, I mean I'm glad for him that he that he killed every workout because <laughs> that is that is his life and his profession. So um I, I I'm curious to see how he how he does um with the Pacers. It's it's a good fit for them. So um, I mean we'll see. Again, to me, the only no-brainer, and, and it was uh, one of the worst kept secret that, that Moody was very high on the Warriors board, so there was no way that that he would have, li- like, slide to the Wizards. But if Moody's there, you have to pick him. You have to. Uh, if it's not there, and if it's between Kispert and Murphy, then just, again, a, a coin flip that I think, uh, in this case, especially if the coaching staff will implement uh, uh, less one-possession, one-pass uh, possessions than, than Kispert is your guy. On the one-possession thing, though, I mean, the I understand that you may have different feelings about how res, Russell Westbrook plays the game, but the point is, with one pass of Russell, you can have a great shot. And, and that's the, the whole point. Now, is that sustainable? Uh, is that sustainable when Russ is not there? Uh, how the bench will react? How they will play? That is, to me, is the question. Not that Westbrook can lead to an efficient offense because he can. He surely can because his passes are great and he's able with uh, two dribbles and a pass to, to give you an open corner three, which is exactly what you want. But the point is, again, is, it, is this sustainable? What happens when they take away that and you have to – and they crank the, the floor – and so, having a um, emotion offense uh, that again allows others to be more into the the possession, maybe maybe this is um, the key for the new the the new wizards. And again, it makes for a better pro- product. Yeah, uh, I mean, at least for my tastes.
2: Anything else? Any other thoughts before we wrap this thing and move on to the free agency preview?
0: Well, um, I don't know. Uh, I think that we had a very good discussion on Kispert and. And um, I'm I'm sure I'm sure that if if the things that we saw at Gonzaga will pan out, um, the Wizards fan will be extremely happy with with Kispert.
2: Okay, cool. Well, I think we've covered Corey Kispert quite well. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to move on to the free agency preview with my good buddy Dave Defore.
1: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone.
2: And we're back, and on the Skype line is the man, the myth, the legend, Dave Dufour.
4: Yeah, I, I try to keep that myth going. It's a, it's a fun game.
2: You're, you're doing a hell of a job.
4: Did, did I ever tell you about the podcast that I did about myself?
2: Oh, man, you you didn't. But, An interview? But, but telling... Talking about yourself, doing a podcast about yourself while you're on a podcast is a hell of a way to meta podcast. I'll tell you that much.
4: It, it's weird. So I, I just don't talk about myself a lot, and and I had to do this podcast. Um, we had one of our sponsors, uh, which is actually a really cool company. But um, you know, a professional interviewer talks to you about yourself or whatever, and then your family is supposed to listen to it. Um. <laughs> At the end, he was like, wow, that's amazing that uh, I just did a podcast with you about yourself and you told me nothing. It's like, yeah, (laughs) good. Great. This is how I like it. Well, I'll tell you what.
2: Let's do a podcast about who the heck is going to play point guard for the Wizards this year. It's not me. (laughs) It's not me either. And it's going to be someone, but it's not anybody who's currently on the Wizards because right now, heading into free agency. We're recording this early Sunday afternoon. It'll be out at some point on Sunday, and free agency begins on Monday night. The Wizards could have a point guard by the end of Monday night. They could have a point guard by Tuesday. They will almost certainly have a point guard by the end of this upcoming week. Whenever it is, they're going to have a point guard. Teams don't just not have point guards. And right now, going into the free agency period after the Russell Westbrook trade, the Wizards have two guards on their team, Legit, two guys who I would say those guys play guard. Bradley Beal and Aaron Holiday, and that is it. They know they need a point guard. The number one point of their offense, I mean, they have a lot of roster imbalance. They have a million guys who kind of play the same sort of overlapping forward position with Hachimura and Bertans and Avdia and Kuzma and... Now, Isaiah Todd is in the mix and, and Kispert, and they just they have so many guys who are at that spot, uh, but the number one priority is finding a way to get a point guard, and there are numerous ways they can do it. They're over the salary cap. They have the mid-level exception to work with. That means they are able to sign somebody for up to $9.5 million. That's not going to get you an excellent starting point guard. It's not even going to get you close to an excellent starting point guard. It can get you a good backup but it's not going to get you even an average starting point guard. The cost of finding one of those on the open market is more expensive than that. There are other options where they can trade for someone or they can sign and trade for someone. Uh, Dave, what, what do you, let's just start on the point guard stuff. I mean, what, what do you find interesting on the wizards point guard search?
4: I mean, they definitely need one. (laughs) I'll say that that is the thing. Um, Man, it just feels like a, a, It's a it's a tough position to fill with the limited amount of resources that they have, you know, Um, and let's just look at the market. You know, we were doing this, of course, before the podcast, because you always start recording the podcast before the pod. I mean, they're not going to be in the mix for any of the top guys like Kyle Lowry, Mike Conley, Lonzo Ball. Probably not options for them, right?
2: I would assume not. I and mean, I don't Lowry, think
4: Lonzo is not the right guy for them anyway, I, I would say. Yeah,
2: La- um, Lowry, no. Chris Paul, no. Conley, no. Lonzo, I've heard absolutely no suggestion that they would be on Lonzo. And I think Lonzo is going to end up getting something like $20 million. So you got to figure out a way to make that sign-and-trade work. And I like Lonzo. Mm-hmm. He's gotten way better. Uh, but, you know, I, I think they need somebody who can run pick-and-rolls.
4: I agree.
3: That,
2: that fits they the style another- so much better. Gafford needs a pick-and-roll guy. If they're going to keep Montrezl Harrell, which maybe they won't, but if they're going to keep Harrell, he needs a pick-and-roll guy. Thomas Bryant needs a pick-and-roll guy. Uh, you're going to be a lot better with those shooters like Bertans and Kispert on the outside if you have somebody who can work the middle of the floor. Beal can already do it. If you can have a point guard who can do it too. I, I think stylistically that fits them better.
4: Well, and it, and it makes sure that at all times – both Denny and Rui can be secondary guys, right? You don't have to depend on them to initiate pick and roll, high pick and roll. They can do the side pick and roll. They can, again, they've got a, a release valve um, who can be a more of a, a dynamic ball handler than those guys. And, but it's just like you get to Spencer Dinwiddie as far as the, the free agent list goes. And I think that's the first guy that feels like, okay, they not only is there a fit, but I feel like they could make the money work, especially with him coming off the you know the ACL issue and, and already having had a knee issue. Um, just seems like that may be a little bit more workable for them. But I don't know. I mean, is he is he like a starting point guard that can give you thirty two to thirty five minutes a night and consistently? I think it would and be- shoot well enough to to. To make it matter. I think he
2: would be on this roster. Sure. I mean, the thing with Dimwitty is he's um he's not an extremely efficient player. He's really good at getting to the line that props up his efficiency. Right. Uh but in terms of like an effective field goal percentage guy, he's not super high on that. Uh one of the things that'll be interesting with him is like I feel like there are ways to make the money work. I think you need a third team. Something that I I, I regret and reporters. We all have moments where we regret the way that we phrase things. I had a story with Sham Sharania over the weekend, and the way that I phrased the line in that story, I, I think was it was just it, it was my line. I wrote it, and it was badly written. Uh, it was uh, you know, I said that you know there the, I'd seen people thrown around Harold and Kuzma in a in a Dimwitty trade and uh, didn't anybody sign in trade. Because you know we reported the Wizards were were interested in a potential Dinwiddie sign and trade, and they're not the only ones, and we're not the only ones who reported Dinwiddie and the Wizards as as with Dinwiddie to the Wizards as a possibility. And uh, you know I had been told that Kuzma and Harrell would not would not work. I mean the Nets don't want to take on that much salary. They're so far over the tax that they're in about the four times tax bracket. Meaning for every dollar that they are over the tax now, they've got to pay four extra dollars. Or they got to pay $4 in tax money. So if you take on 10 a $10 million salary and don't offload any salary, you are then paying $40 million in tax on the $10 million. So you're paying 40 in tax, 10 million in payroll. You're paying $50 million for that player. So what I really meant to phrase was both of those guys are not options and either of those guys is not an option going to the Nets alone. Um now I, I think because of that, this kind of either needs to be a three-team trade or there needs to be a corresponding move. DeAndre Jordan could have to get involved. Um and and then you're you know, it's just complicated. I'm yeah, I think people <laughs> I it it can happen. It's just complicated yeah. to work out. There are a lot of moving parts here. I think DeAndre Jordan is the intuitive guy they move on from. He makes ten million, they take on a you know, now all of a sudden, like a Kuzma salary or something like that, isn't as daunting because the difference between Kuzma and DeAndre Jordan is now three million. Because Kuzma makes thirteen, and and DeAndre goes to a third team, and Dinwiddie goes to goes to the Wizards, and it's just, man, it's it's just a lot of moving parts. A lot of people have to agree on something. Dinwiddie has to agree wants to play for the Wizards. The Wizards have to agree they're willing to pay Dinwiddie what he wants. I mean, it's just it's a lot of. Moving parts there. Assigning trades are complicated, and that's why we don't always yeah. see them.
4: Yeah, um, the Rust trade is is pretty interesting because I actually I like Kuzma a lot, and I think Kuzma would be pretty good playing with Bradley Beal. I, I think that there's a lot of uh, complementary uh, skills there, you know. And Kuzma is a guy you can run a play for coming out of a, a timeout and he's a willing shooter and he is an underrated defender. So if I were the wizards, I'd be trying to hang on to him. Cause I think that 13 million for Kuzma is pretty good. Um, but the, the point guard situation, I just don't know. I, there aren't really any other options if you don't get Dinwiddie. I mean, cause then you're getting into like, Hey, can Reggie Jackson do stuff for us? And I think we probably know the answer for most of the rest of the guys on the list, right?
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to be interested in Dennis Schroeder. Uh, yeah, I do not think he a lot of is going to be in the mix. Uh, I think there is mutual interest between Derrick Rose and the Knicks and, and him going back there. Uh, and then you're really talking about, you're talking about Patty Mills and TJ McConnell and Cameron Payne. All Devontae Graham, so not starters, right? I mean, ve- very good backups. If Cameron Payne mm-hmm. is your backup, T.J. McConnell's your backup, great. Yeah, not none of those guys is an average starting point guard. All those guys are no. are, are going to get paid. I mean, you can and you, you probably you'll have a chance. They're not going to laugh you off if you if you give them the mid level. Certainly, any of those guys. Uh, but yeah, they're not. They're just not starting point guards that you want. I mean, there there are other options like. We don't have to look just well, at the free agency. Trading. Exactly. Like, right. They have, I, I just mentioned all of the forwards they have, and you like Kuzma as a fit. I mean, but there's Kuzma, mm-hmm. there's Rui, there's Bert Hans, there's Kispert, there's Avdia. All similar. There's there's Hutchison and there's Todd, but let's just leave Hutchison and Todd out of it because those guys aren't necessarily rotation guys for the upcoming right. season. But you can justify Rui and Avdia are first round picks the last two years. Uh, Bertans are paying $16 million to Kuzma. You're paying $13 million to and Kispert. You just drafted in the first round, all those guys. And part of the reason you drafted him in the first round is you think he can play right away. I have a feeling, and this is just a feeling. This is not sourced at all. At least one of those guys is not going to be on the roster. Come training camp.
4: Oh, I agree with that completely. Yeah. I I think that they're in desperate need of a consolidation trade here. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, they got too many guys that play all in the same spot, and and that would be not a problem if this was the Oklahoma City Thunder, but the Wizards I think want to make the playoffs again and probably not sneak in like they did. So you know when you have that situation, you you need to consolidate. I I, I'm with you. I think that I I doubt that. I don't see them moving either Denny or Rui unless there is just a deal out there that we don't see coming
2: well what i was gonna say is like if you have if you're overloaded at that it's not really a position it's more of a i guess it's a role you're overloaded at that role and you want someone really good at point guard or at least good enough to where you can say we're we're feeling happy with that guy as our starter maybe you do dangle denny maybe you do dangle Rui. And, and that way you're willing to talk about, look, you're not getting somebody good without giving up somebody good. You don't have cap space. So unless some sort of concocted sign and trade falls, you know, comes through, you got to do something in order to get a good point guard. And you have to give up somebody good. And there are people around the league who like Rui and there are people around the league who like Denny. Uh, another thing that's going to be interesting about how they handle Rui, not necessarily for this off season, but certainly for at least next one is he's going to be extension eligible, not going into the upcoming season, but the season after that. And that means this off season, they have to at least think about how much they want to pay him next year, because if they Mm -hmm. think, you know what, we think his market is going to be this, we think he'll be asking for this and we're just too far apart. We don't want to pay that. Maybe that's a time where you say, you know what, let's, let's just quietly field what we can... Like, what kind of point guard can you get us? Is there a point guard out there in which somebody can, can do it? I'm not saying that you trade Rui for a rental. I'm not even saying that you trade Rui. I'm just saying that if you really want a point guard and you want a good point guard, you're going to have to give up something good.
4: Mm-hmm. And that is could t- be something. It, let me ask you, is Terry Rozier good enough?
2: I mean, I put Terry Rozier... You're talking to the one person... Who voted Terry Rozier third on his MIP ballot last year?
4: Hell yeah, <laughs> so. Terry Rozier. Look, Terry Rozier is a pretty good player. Um, he's he's an expiring contract this this upcoming season. Um, makes about nineteen million. Like that that guy kind of slots right in for them. I think. Yeah, I mean that, again, that, matching, that's a guy that they could target. That would be
2: interesting, and 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 Charlotte has. They have Lamelo. I mean, Rozier and Lamelo worked mm-hmm. nicely together last year. But they have Lamelo, they have Rozier, and they have Devontae Graham is restricted and could end up in Charlotte again. They,
4: they got a Malik Monk decision to make. They just got James Booknight. They got a lot of guys, a lot of young guys. And I mean, and Rozier's not old. I don't. Twenty eight. I don't
2: think Charlotte would be totally against. Twenty
4: seven.
2: Yeah, I don't think Charlotte would be totally against freeing up a little bit extra cap space too if that deal were done quickly. Sure. Like I don't think. Yeah. I think that's something that would factor into their decision. I, I think even after taking in Mason Plumlee, I think they'd like a, they'd like another center still. Rashawn Holmes is a name that I think that they they, they like. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's that's interesting. But like, what's what's the deal? Give me a Terry Rozier deal.
4: Oh man. I <sighs> Because we can't, just, I mean, like, can't think, just be
2: like, you know what, Terry Rozier, that looks good. Give him to us. Yeah, so I was yeah, like, okay.
4: yeah. I, well, I'm bad at fake trades, first of okay, all. Okay, well, let's talk, let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's make it a real but trade. But I, I think, you know, it feels to me like you, you could probably get him without giving up too much. May, I mean, maybe you do a future first that's like lottery protected. feels like a lot, but I don't know. I mean... He's also expiring, so I don't know. So what? What would you? Uh, what would you give up if you were the Wizards?
2: So I am. First off, if I'm the Wizards, I would not give up a future first for an expiring guy. Really? Yeah, I would draw the line there. Eh. Um. Okay. Secondly, so Rozier is expiring at seventeen point nine million next year. By the way.
4: Um, oh. Okay. Yeah. What did I say? Eighteen.
2: Yeah, I'm just giving the listeners the full view. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on, I guess it would depend on the protections, but I just, you know what? It wouldn't depend on the protections. I just, I wouldn't be in a position to where I would give up a future.
4: What about a fake first?
2: Just like like top 20 protected and then it rolls into two seconds? Yeah. Yeah, but why would Charlotte do that? Charlotte's not a team that's like trying to blow it up.
4: They they like making but the playoffs. It's something. So it's something for a guy that you might lose for nothing next summer. Now I'm not saying that's all you'd get. Maybe maybe Kispert is the guy. Um, I mean you'd have to uh, you'd have to figure out the salary. Uh, here, but I mean, again, this is maybe Charlotte me looking at Terry Rozier's name and saying, "Hey, you know, Terry Rozier would be pretty good." Charlotte might like um, a Kuzma
2: type too. I mean, they have Bridges, they have PJ Washington there, um, yeah. But maybe they like a Kuzma type. I mean, I guess that's that's plausible. Kuzma's still young; he's still twenty six. I mean, that's that's someone who I guess could be helpful for them. I think Rosier's a better player, so you are going to have to throw something else in there. You mentioning mm-hmm. throwing out a first round pick, by the way. Mm-hmm. He, Brings me to something that I think is extremely interesting and I think no one else will think is extremely interesting. And me bringing this up on a podcast is exactly how you know this podcast is for nobody else but me.
4: <laughs> well, it's, this is what we do, Fred. So can I... This is why they don't give you and me our own podcast that's on a regular basis because <laughs> we, we get too weird. I, know.
2: Can I Can I go into my why... Please. why the Thunder are the perfect third team in any and all Wizards three-team trades thing? Uh-huh. All right. So if you call anybody in the league and you ask them, or I should say two teams in the league are putting together a deal and they realize because of the construction of it, they're going to have to dump a contract to make salaries work, whatever. Who's the first team that they're calling?
4: Oh, definitely
2: Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, right? They they have tons of cap space. They are not trying to compete. They will take on your bad deals like they just did with Derek Favors and they just did with Kemba Walker and they've done with a million other teams. They will take on your bad deals if you give them picks and their objectives will line up with your objectives and everything will work, right? And so they're Mm -hmm. already the ideal third team. They're like the blanket third team in every trade, right? For the Wizards, it's that times 10. because So the Wizards gave up their 2023 first-round pick in the John Wall trade at Houston. That 2023 first-round pick is pretty heavily protected, and the protections go out all the way to 2026, which means that they're not actually able to trade a first-round pick until 2028, which makes it pretty difficult for them to trade a first-round pick. Now, there are ways to get around that. That pick... If they wanted to trade that pick last year or they wanted to trade a future first, like a 2025 first, for example, they had to call up Houston, get Houston into the deal or make a separate deal with Houston, get Houston to remove the protections on that deal, which is better for Houston, but Houston can always be a pain in the ass on it because they know it's what Washington wants so they could ask for something else. And you have to make a separate deal as well. Like Houston has to be involved in the trade somehow because you can't just call somebody up, be like, we're removing the protections. It has to be part of a transaction based on the rules. But, so like that that's a total pain in the ass and is a huge logistical nightmare in them trading a future first round pick. It's possible, it's just a pain. But on draft night, Houston traded that 2023 Wizards pick to Oklahoma City, which means that if the Wizards want to involve a third team in a deal... And Oklahoma City is already the first call. For example, let's say, a, for hypothetically, a Spencer Dinwiddie sign-in trade. And the Nets want to, say, dump the DeAndre Jordan contract and take on like Kuzma or something like that. They could do it on Oklahoma City. And as part of the deal, the Wizards can just remove the protections from that deal with Oklahoma City. So they don't have to worry about removing, getting a fourth team involved so that they can give up an extra pick. It's already part of the deal with Oklahoma City. So that, that, to me, I think that pick being traded to Oklahoma City, it just saves the Wizards so much time in trying to remove, remove protections
4: one less call they gotta make. It's
2: one less call. It might be a lot fewer calls because you know that you're just not calling up Houston and being like, okay, there's no way Houston's gonna be like, right, let's make things easy. (laughs) There's just no way. I mean, that's something that's gonna make a deal way more complicated. So... Watch out for huh. the Wizards in Oklahoma City. If there is a –
4: if there is Well, a, Kemba, Kemba Walker came to mind, but, I, like, the money is just crazy. Yeah. Like there's no way it would work. But Kemba would be a guy who theoretically would be good next to Beal. Um, your defense is going to be a dumpster fire, but it might be a dumpster fire anyway. Uh, and, and if Kemba is healthy, like, we know who he is, but, you know, that's a big question mark. What about Ricky Rubio? I don't know if Ricky's going to He really struggled last year. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, and, you know, I, like, selfishly, I'd like to see Ricky go back to Spain. Um, just because I always love that. Uh, but, like, if, if Rubio plays like he did two years ago in Phoenix, that would work out really, really well for the Wizards.
2: Yeah, he was very good but, in Phoenix. Yeah. But he really struggled last year. I don't.
4: He was bad. I mean, it's rough though. I mean, look at look who he's playing. Yeah, he was in a bad situation. No yeah. question. And there's, I don't see any way he plays in Cleveland. So.
2: You're right. That's that's a good one. He makes. He also makes. He makes money. I mean, the other thing is mm-hmm. that like. I feel like you don't have to give up. I don't know what that trade is. Because if I'm the Wizards, you don't have to give up much. No, but but you have to match salaries there, and he makes like what seventeen point eight million next year. Seventeen. So yeah, I, he might
4: be a buyout guy too.
2: He might be. That's true, and maybe that's a guy that you just try to sign. You give him part of the mid level. Yeah. And he's already taken the buyout, so he's okay with coming in as part of the mid level, and and you're fine. Maybe that's maybe that's a move that they could potentially have.
4: Would Would, would they want to pay Colin Sexton?
2: Huh. That's a good question.
4: Hmm. I mean, I'm a believer in that guy. Um,
2: I hadn't really thought that. That's another thing of just moving forward with a point guard, with a, with a backcourt that's going to get pulverized on defense though.
4: Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, but you, it may happen anyway. You might as well (laughs) score, right? Like I look Dave's philosophy. If you can't be great, be fun. (laughs) And they, that would be pretty fun. I mean, you know, Colin Sexton can really score. He became a better passer last year. You know, they got another guy out there who had some, you know, dynamic on-ball ability. And all of a sudden, Colin Sexton looked better. Now, he's still mostly a black hole. But I don't know, man. It's a guy who could score. I'll say this he much. He can run pick and rolls for you. And he can shoot. I think, it's,
2: I think there's there's unquestionably a point where talent wins out. And so I don't know if Colin Sexton is the point. Well, Colin Colin's Sexton out,
4: isn't it. No, but, no, hell no. But uh,
2: <laughs> no, what I was going to say is I think the Wizards' priorities and looking for a point guard is, is somebody who is uh, more distribution slanted than a Colin Sexton yes, type. Yes,
4: that would. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I think they're looking for more of a, more of a facilitator type than a scorer type. Except for maybe Dimwitty. I mean it depends on how you want to characterize Dimwitty. He's certainly more of a passer than Colin Sexton is. Sure. Certainly. What else do you think is interesting about this roster? Gimme give, give me the Dave the Dave Dufour thing that stands out about the Wizards heading into free agency.
4: Thomas Bryant. Yeah. Very I mean, interesting. I, I, I loved how he looked to start last season. I was so disappointed when he got hurt. Because I thought he was going to have a good year, like a really good year. His defense was really good to start the season. And I wonder what this team would have looked like if he had been healthy all year. Now, you maybe don't run, you know, you don't stumble into getting Gafford and, and, you know, being able to see that. But I think, I don't know, man. I think Thomas Bryant is going to, not that you can go so much better on offense, but I think it's going to make their offense easier when he's out there this year. Um, uh, but a lot of this is just like, you know, you need, you need Rui to grow, which we saw you need more growth from Denny. And, and you're in this weird spot where you've got Bradley Beal, who is really ready to compete now. And he's probably the only guy. I mean, Bertons, you know, could play on a contender theoretically, if he can shoot better than he did. But other than that, it's a lot of guys that you just need to see who they are. And it's a weird, it's kind of a weird spot for them to be in, I think. Yeah. The other
2: interesting thing with Bryant, by the way, is (laughs) I realize how funny this is coming off of the fact that the Wizards became like the first team in modern NBA history to run a three center rotation for an entire season last year, almost no matter who the centers were. But they have three yeah. centers now who are legitimately going to demand rotation minutes. Like, you can't just not have Thomas Bryant in your rotation ever. You, Gafford is going to play. I know Montrezl Harrell just went through Having to deal with three centers who demand rotation minutes last year with the Lakers with Marcus Sewell and with Andre Drummond and and Harrell was kind of the odd man out in the playoffs. They were running a little bit of a three man rotation with the center at, center spot at, at points last year too because of those three guys. But Montrez Harrell is still a really helpful player during the regular
4: season, especially. Yeah, a really helpful. Hell, hell of a regular season player, no
2: question. And and I just. I don't know. I think Montrez Harrell has become really undervalued. That's my opinion.
4: Well, it's because we only pay attention to the last thing we saw. And the last thing you see every single year is him getting absolutely eviscerated in the playoffs because his game doesn't translate. But if you're the wizards and you've got Thomas Bryant coming back from injury, you got Daniel Gafford, who's still, I don't think he's ready for 35 minutes a night. I don't know that any center in the league is ready for 35 minutes a night anymore. I, Three centers is fine for me, and it's in particular when one of them is sort of this specialist in a way that, that Trez Harrell is, right? Like You almost have to think about him more like a, a, a relief pitcher in baseball, right? This is the guy that comes out, and he's just throwing smoke. That's it. 101 miles an hour every single pitch, and you know that if you run enough pick and roll with him, you're going to score points. Right? You you can get that 1.15 PPPP or whatever against second and third units. And that guy is valuable to a team. I mean, it, you know, $9 million is about right, I think. But there's still a lot of utility there, too, in the regular season. And he just doesn't play in the playoffs. So who cares? But he gets you to the playoffs, and that matters.
2: I mean, the Wizards have three centers, all of whom <laughs> could destroy you in pick and rolls. I mean, yeah. Harold— Harold, part of the reason, by the way, that he wasn't as good last year with the Lakers is because he didn't have Lou Williams to run pick and rolls with, like he did in the season that yeah. he won Six Man of the Year.
4: True. Dennis Schroeder was a was definitely a worse pick and roll partner for him because teams just weren't worried about that pull up.
2: Exactly. You can go under screens more easily against Schroeder. Mm-hmm. It's not as scary if you if you are able to bring in someone like even just like like a George Hill type. It's just going to be better. By the way. I don't know how many minutes they would play together. Again, I don't even. Maybe Harrell is one of the guys who gets traded. That's definitely possible. Maybe he never suits up for the Wizards. But I mean, a Harrell Beal pick and roll combination could be nasty. Well, I, mean, but I, I think
4: to your point though about all three of those guys being pretty solid in the pick and roll. To me, like I think about Thomas Bryant as the the primary pick and roll partner with Beal. Because of that pick and pop, and he can finish, mm-hmm. and so you know, Trez may have more value for a for another team, right? A team that doesn't have already two guys that are good pick and roll guys, and and if Trez was a a, a great defender, okay, then we we've got a conversation. But if if he's a great defender, he's not getting traded here anyway. Yeah, for sure. Because that's the thing that keeps him off the court in the playoffs. So. Um he, he, you're right. And his money is kind of like a perfect amount to have sitting on the books when you want to make a trade. Right around 10 million. It's perfect. Gets you a lot of guys. I mean, that could be a guy who, you know, if there was a Rosier trade or something like that 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 could get tossed in and and really make the money work. Yes.
2: Yes, for sure. I mean, that's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see what happens i mean something we have to mention in this conversation too is thomas bryant's going to miss the beginning of the season i mean i think i think the wizards i mean he's still recovering from the acl
4: oh yeah i think
2: oh
1: wow think
4: you know i did i totally didn't realize that but this is where the the two seasons running together yeah. has like yeah. completely wrecked my brain uh I, I have you know traditionally i i know all the free agents and right now i got to have a list because i just last year's free agency was so like everything was so weird
2: yeah and he's going to I totally of the year. forgot yeah so i i, I don't think okay, he's they so gonna... they're going to hang on they
4: should hang on to trez
2: then they... unless you can get something for him i don't know if you can get something good for him i think if you're gonna trade one of the centers i really don't think it's gafford they they love gafford as much as wizards twitter loves gafford they love gafford and they are so excited gafford makes 1.8 million dollars this year yeah and then he makes 1.9 million dollars next year i mean Mm -hmm. god like that's that's less than that's less than a veteran player's minimum salary. I mean, he's making nothing. And they're both non-guaranteed, by the way, until the latest possible date. That is as as good of a contract as you're going to get as a center. I mean, Gafford is good. He's legitimately good, and if he can work on his conditioning and get better, that is something. They're really excited about him. They'll, I mean, no one's untouchable. Daniel Gafford's certainly not untouchable, but you have to they're only trading Gafford if it gets them somebody really good. So, He's twenty two years old. I just I don't see a scenario in which it's him. Bryant, I just don't think there's a lot of traction. It, to be that on
4: young. Him. Yeah. That young. That good as a pick and roll guy. And to be able to to play defense how, like he does. Yeah. They should not trade him. Yeah. Hang on to him. I mean, like that's not a throw in guy <laughs> to me. No. Like he's too good for that. No,
2: he's good. Yeah. He's legitimately good. Uh Bryant, I don't think there's traction on him. Because he's on an expiring deal, he's coming off the ACL. He's going to miss the beginning of the year, uh, and 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 look, we just saw all of these centers who make about what Bryant is making. Like all all these guys who are on these deals who sign for about what Bryant is making, especially the offensive minded guys. Teams are just trying to get off of them. You know, Mason Plumlee yeah. just got dumped. Mantras Harold, like the Lakers were he didn't he didn't get dumped because he got traded for russell westbrook that's not getting dumped but the lakers were trying pretty hard they were making it pretty clear we do not need this guy uh there are a lot of he
4: opted in he opted in knowing he was going to get moved yep that that was not a secret to him right
2: and he opted in because he knew the market for him was going to be less. And, and Harrell and Bryant are actually very similar types of players. It's a lot of overlap in terms of those are energy guys who are going to be good because they're going to be relentless. They're offense first. Uh, you know, there's obviously a but size TB's difference.
4: Faces, but yeah, and T V shoots twice. Thomas Bryant's face is the floor. Yeah. He really does. And, and that, like, there is a big difference there. And it it isn't to knock Trez, because I think Trez as a finisher is better. I mean he's just very very physical, especially for a guy who you know we would call undersized as a center as a role man. But he makes up for that with with aggression and and good touch at the basket. I mean he gets stuffed. He plays like he's in Timberlands, you know, um, like he goes to work. And I, and that guy does have a lot of value. But I think that for Bradley Beal. Thomas Bryant's ability to pop just makes him a better partner than Trez. So if you if you were like, hey, you got to choose one of these guys, I, I'm going Thomas Bryant.
2: Right. No, I mean that's fair. I mean i i will see we'll see how they go with it. I think it's totally plausible they go into the year with those three guys, and then they just kind of get mm-hmm. they just kind of let the situation figure it out, and then you could try to trade one of them during the season. And, and you know, if Bryant is back and say he misses the first month or two months and he's back in December and and then you just let him play it out, you got you got about two months or so to month and a half to figure it out before the trade deadline. And, and you can just kind of let that rotation figure itself out. But that's going to be an interesting one. Well, they could trade Harold and they could just sign a backup center for the minimum or a third string center for the true. minimum too
4: like there are a lot of cheap centers well, out there. And Thomas Bryant is making like nine million dollars a year. It's not a lot of money either, and isn't it expiring? He's expiring, yeah. I think expiring contract, and he'll be um, unrestricted. Right now, do you think you think Gafford is is going to be the starter when it's all said and done? Like, if they make the playoffs, he's likely the starter. I I think.
2: There's a very good chance Gafford is the starter. He, he's, he struggled playing minutes last year. That was not a false narrative. I mean, he, he openly talked about that, and he was asking out of games, struggling to play more than like in the low 20s. So it's, it's, it's one thing to have a starter and to intentionally not play him more than sure. 20 minutes. It's another thing to have a starter who actually can't play more than 20 minutes. So his ability to come Did back...
4: Did he get into that at all? Did he like, did he talk? Is that this, was this a new thing for him? I I
2: don't think it was very new. I, I honestly don't know the specific reasons for it. Uh, it mm. sounded like he just wasn't in, he was just getting winded a lot and he wasn't in the proper, I don't want to say he was out of shape because it's not like he was fat. But I don't think right. he worked his conditioning the proper way. And I, I do well, know. It was hard.
4: It, last year was hard for that. Yeah. Right? Like, there was the training camp issue, no practice. Um, you know, and, and a lot of, I mean, you're having to train a lot on your own. I mean, this is a, it was a difficult year, a unique year. He also never had to do it before in the NBA. Right. Right. Well, because the Bulls didn't know what they had. Mm hmm. Clearly. Which is wild because they had a coach who. You know, it was supposed to be all about the defense, right?
2: hmm Yeah, I mean, clearly. I, I don't know how know.
4: you missed that. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, how do you miss that guy jumping all over the gym? Yeah.
2: I mean, he had he still gets into major foul trouble. That's another thing, which will be interesting sure. if he's a starter. Um, but, yeah. you
4: Especially on this team because it's a turnstile up front. Yeah.
2: You need a starter who's just, like, physically able to play enough minutes, you know? Like you need a Hell, star who's physically Wizards, able
4: to do it for twenty five plus. The Wizards might need three centers just because they need those eighteen fouls. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and nobody up top is is going to play any defense. I mean, you know, unless they sign Alex Caruso,
2: Caruso would be interesting for them.
4: I I just he's not a point. You, you don't have the pick. And, yeah, there's no pick and roll chops. No, at not all. not as a and starter. I don't even buy the shooting. But what if you? What if you? I mean, they still
2: need guards. Like, they just need guards. They need a backup guard, then.
4: You know? Oh, he'd, he'd be he'd be a great third guard. I mean, basically, his role for the Lakers, I think, is perfect, and he could do that anywhere. And he shoots it well enough that that you're not like dying every time he takes a shot. He just is kind of a hesitant shooter. The uh, the some of the boneheaded passes have to go away, but he is spectacular as a point of attack defender like he would probably close games next to Bradley Beal for his defense he could I mean I, I think I, I had him uh sixth in all NBA guards for defense last year and only because he didn't play enough minutes him and Matisse Tybal both got hammered by minutes but if you watch him I mean just excellent point of attack defenders and You know, point of attack defense to me is the most overlooked thing in the NBA. Everyone only pays attention to rim protection because, again, that's the last thing you see, just like Trez Harrell getting smoked in the playoffs. But everyone misses, you know, they see Rudy Gobert not able to rotate to the corner, but they miss Donovan Mitchell just dying on every screen and getting Utah into rotation. I think that, you know, if you can add someone like Caruso to the Wizards, in particular, end-of-game defense, you take it up a notch. And and again, he can shoot it well enough. You've got Rui and Denny potentially out there as well. So you've got secondary and tertiary ball handlers for Beal. Beal is going to be running the show anyway, so it's not like you need that big-time pick-and-roll guy in the crunch. Caruso's interesting for them.
2: Yes, he is. He's very interesting for them, and, and he, I agree with you on his defense. He's he's really good defensively. All right, rank rank these guys for me. You know, we haven't talked about KCP at all.
4: Oh, well, because he's an excellent basketball player who fits perfectly whatever you want to do.
2: Yeah, he does. And he fits perfectly for them. And and something I think yep. is interesting. So let's say let's say they trade one of the overlapping forwards for a point guard. The point guard doesn't have a okay. name or a face, but he's a sure he's a point guard that we're just we're fine with him being the starting point guard.
4: So QB Eagles is playing point guard now for uh, exactly. The they
2: have uh, like I remember when I used to play Kobe Bryant NBA courtside. Uh, <laughs> M- Michael Jordan was roster
4: guard. There you go. Yeah, they
2: have like yeah. they have like a player who's seventy five percent as good as roster guard from N sixty four.
4: I, I love hard. that I learned about image and likeness rights from video games in the 90s. and
2: Yeah, 100%. Like MVP baseball, Barry Bonds was John oh, yeah. Dowd. Barry Bonds.
4: John Dowd, yeah. Well, QB Eagles, was. The, I mean, that was the start of it, right? Of Randall Cunningham just breaking the game. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah I mean, I got so excited when I saw that <laughs> like five years ago that Trump's lawyer was named John Dowd. I was like, oh, my God, like MVP baseball, Barry Bonds. And his other lawyer's name was Ty Cobb. I was like, my goodness. Come on. I swear to God. Is that real? Yeah, 100% that's real. Wow. I was like, oh, my God. John Dowd? These are the two best outfielders of all time, John Dowd and Ty Cobb. But anyway, (laughs) we don't need to talk about the former president's lawyer. I promise.
4: Uh, Yeah, no. But we should talk more about... MVP baseball I mean like, let's be That's honest. an all-time game
2: but let's talk about KCP also because yeah. okay K, all right, so, so let's KCP, say I before mean, we get Into missed. it Dave I want to frame KCP yeah. for you
4: Okay yeah
2: they bring In 75% of roster Guards last John Dowd he's your point guard You have Beal there you have Aaron Holiday there I think it's plausible They re-sign Neto in that scenario By the way they, they really like what Neto Gave them last year totally in the cards Uh
4: Davis bird rights? Uh
2: no. Uh but I don't know how expensive Neto's going to be. Think he's a minimum? I think it's plausible he's a minimum. They can give him 120% of the minimum. They could also just use the biannual exception. Sure. And they could give him yeah, the they, 3.7 million with the biannual exception, which I think gets it done for sure.
4: Money shouldn't get in the way of that.
2: Yeah. I, I they, they they really like Neto. I think it's I think it's it's certainly more likely he's back than that Smith is back. I think they view Neto as a better fit, and uh, you know because of the way he can shoot, and I think he's a better defender. Although Ish had a good defensive year last year. Anyway, what what is the piece that you want? Let's say you can add an, you've got your mid level exception still because you traded for your starting point guard. Let's say. You can bring in an Alex Caruso type for the mid-level exception, which, by the way, I don't think is extremely realistic. I think the Lakers are going to do everything they can to re-sign him. But let's say you can bring in an Alex Caruso type with the mid-level exception, that position, that type of player, or you can bring in Reggie Bullock, another 3 and D wing who's a little bit more of a KCP type he's longer than KCP he also got he's not as good as KCP he got exposed during the Hawks series last year for sure uh, but 41 percent from three was one of the better defenders on a top five defense during the regular season last year what type of piece is more attractive for you for this roster
4: I mean I I, I really like Reggie Bullock
2: me too I a agree lot. with you And I don't think you can have too many wings who can defend and shoot the three.
4: Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, you got guys who can put the ball in the basket and also keep the ball out of the basket? Pretty good. Pretty good to have. And in particular, because we know now like every team needs more than just the guys that they think are going to get it done in the playoffs. You've got to have guys to help get you there. You need depth. And if you could add Reggie Bullock, I mean, you definitely do it. I think, yeah, I think I'd probably go Reggie Bullock. Yeah, how about Reggie Jackson? That's a little bit of both. I mean, that would be interesting. Big time shooter, big time shooter. He man. might cost. And he might
2: cost more you than know, the level. Here is the other
4: thing. Well, probably, but I, I'll say this: when you look at the way he played in the playoffs and, and the Clippers' offense didn't put him in a, a ton of pick and roll. You know, but but he can – I don't know. He looks pretty healthy for the first time in a long time. And, I mean, if he's – I mean, he's just a night – a total lights-out shooter now. And you could put a guy like that next to Beal. Man, that, that – all of a sudden, you've got something there. And, and not a bad defender either, by the way. Did okay.
2: He's very long, which helps him. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, he's stout too, right? Like he's thick, and so you know he's at least putting up some resistance at the point of attack.
2: Yeah, I mean that that would I think that would be a very interesting one. I just think it's very possible he he gets more than I mean the mid level exception is about nine and a half million dollars, sure. and I I don't know. I man. would I think guess he might be right
4: there. I mean, he he could be right there. He could be right at that line and. You know, maybe it's one of these things where, what if what if playing with Bradley Beal is a draw? Yeah. Do we know this yet? We don't. Someone, I mean, I, someone is. We know people. Teams are recruiting him. I mean, Draymond for sure is recruiting <laughs> him, right? You'd have to imagine. Come sit next to me on the bus. <laughs> and
2: and somebody you, <laughs> somebody's getting left out of the point guard mix too. There are a lot of good. Oh, like, yeah. think about how many free agent point guards we've
4: named. Well, Goron, right? Yeah, I mean. Goran could be a, a, a one year guy, a rental. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think there are gonna be point guards who who aren't going to get what they hope they're like, I don't think Dennis Schroeder is gonna get I mean you know, it was reported he turned down four for eighty four in an extension. That's Fred Van Vliet money. I, I don't think he's gonna get that. I really no. I really don't at all.
4: Uh Oh yeah, that was a that was a that was a major uh misreading of the cards.
2: Yeah. Like, I don't think he's gonna get that uh you know I think there are some point guards who are just gonna there's always somebody left standing when the music stops you know I don't know maybe mm-hmm. it's Reggie Jackson but you know going back to your your hypothesis of the podcast your hypothesis uh we fixated on the last thing we saw Reggie Jackson was so good for them in that playoff run uh,
4: he was awesome. He was so good for them, but he was good all year, though. Let, let's let's just be fair to him, too, right? He was really, really good all year for them.
2: Yeah, but he was another level. Oh, of, of course. He was, he was taking eight threes a game and shooting over forty percent. You know, he was his his shots were tougher. His his burden was tougher, especially when Kawhi was out and he was going up against good defenses. And he came up huge. Um, you know, I, look, he was good all year but the clippers still spent the entire year trying to trade for a point guard they still brought in rondo because they thought that was they needed an extra facilitator rondo they thought they needed a facilitator and that's where they brought in he
4: didn't well, wasn't even nba teams been getting fooled by rondo for a while and then you know he has a run like he had with the lakers and and you're like oh yes <laughs> i get it and then you know then he goes to atlanta and and the clippers and it's like oh no 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 okay yeah
2: but they were still, so, the Clippers weren't believing what they were seeing. I mean, they they were trying to bring in point guards, and, and he took his game to another level. He was, I agree, he, he shot 43 from, from three during the regular season. I mean, he's become a much better shooter. He was 39 the year before that. On a high volume, he's become a much better shooter, but he took his game to another level in the playoffs. It will be very interesting to see if he sustains that. Um, and he,
4: it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell with him, but I really think that his knee just finally recovered. He didn't look uncomfortable. I mean, he looked faster. I thought in the playoffs than he had in a while. And so maybe, I mean, maybe this is who he is. Maybe it's not, maybe he's not a 43% guy. Maybe he's a 39% guy, but he's a high volume three point maker. I think we can say safely at this point.
2: Yeah. I mean, what's the wizards have shooting now. I mean, the problem is they still have real? they still have a lot of one way guys is the problem and they're going to need to even that out. They have fewer one way guys. KCP is two ways. Kuzma is two ways, at least to the point where he's not going to be exploited on defense. Uh, you know, Gafford is two ways. They they have something in those guys. Is Beal
4: going to be two ways?
2: I'm going to guess no. Or, or does it depend? I'm going to guess no. Yeah. I mean, I don't see. I just. I'm going to base my opinion on what I've seen the last
4: three years, and I'm going to say no. Uh, But I mean, that's the that's the to me that's the next step for him because I I think he can do it. I mean, we he used to do it. Um, The the scoring load is so heavy for him. I think that it's up to the coaching staff, the new coaching staff, to figure out a way to take off some of that load, get him easier buckets, so that you can challenge him to defend because he's got to be able to.
2: We'll somebody has to. We'll see what he does. I mean, you know, I just think them bringing in guys who can be above average on both sides is going to be so big for them. If if they can do that while also maybe advancing Denny a little bit on both sides, advancing Rui's defense, like then you got got a little something cooking. The problem is if you put out the shooting lineups right now, you go Beal Kispert. Bertans, Thomas Bryant. I mean, the amount of three point shooting with those four guys on the floor together is ridiculous. Uh, you know, KCP can shoot the three, the amount of three point shooting you could put out there in those lineups is, is ridiculous. Plus whatever point guard you have. But, but that lineup, I mean, Beal, Bertans, Kispert, Bryant, you're going to give Barbecue up. I mean, you're going to get destroyed on defense. So, you need to figure out ways to put out two-way guys. That's kind of why I like Reggie Bullock, if they can get him for the mid-level. I think that's plausible that he'll end up going for that price. I think he would be a really good fit for them, even with KCP there. You could play him in bench units with with KCP and Bullock. You could, you could close with them together if you feel like that's necessary. They were both 40% shooters from three last year. I think that could be really nice. I mean... I think you could. I, I previously said on the podcast, I don't think you could get Reggie Bullock for the mid-level. I think he'd be more expensive. But I spoke to some people around the league, and I I think it's actually plausible. I think I, I might have been incorrect in in believing that before. So, look, we're going to know pretty soon, man. We're going to know pretty soon.
4: Um, yeah. <laughs> we're recording this on Sunday. Free agency is tomorrow. Uh, it, it really snuck up on me. Me too. That's why
2: we're doing it on Sunday.
4: You got any any other uh,
2: wizards observations to add before we uh,
4: wrap? Um, not really, man. Uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see what this new coaching staff, um, looks like and what they do because the defense needs a complete overhaul. It's it's not and it and a lot of it's personnel. Let's let's just be honest, right? Personnel is the issue. It's not the coaching. I don't want to come out here making anyone feel like I'm saying that the coaching staff did a poor job last year. Like, let's be honest. Um, But you've got to find a way to defend with the guys that you got. Like that's the name of the game and you've got Gafford. So you've got a guy who can meet people at the basket and at least cause them to alter their shot a little bit. Now you got to have guys that are ready to rotate when that, when that pass comes, but you, I would love to see them go for somebody who is at least balanced at point guard, who can who can defend the position as well as, you know, run pick and roll. There's just not a lot of guys out there. Can they trade for Marcus Smart? Can we pull that off?
2: That would be interesting. I I don't know. I don't oh, know he, we, how how Boston is going to think about Marcus Smart now. Marcus Smart has always been available in explanation but not in practice. Marcus Smart has always been... If you talk to teams about negotiating with the Celtics about Marcus Smart, it's always, yeah, Marcus Smart's available. You can... You can have Marcus Smart. Okay, great. Let's talk about Marcus Smart. I love Marcus Smart. What a hell of a defender. He plays with such great energy. He's awesome. Let's talk about Marcus Smart. Okay, perfect. You want Marcus Smart? It's going to take, um, we're, ge- we're going to have to include the Lakers so we can get LeBron in a three-team deal. And you're going to have to give us all your first-rounders. <laughs> and you're also going to have to convince Michael Jordan to get in the time machine and then come out of retirement and have 28-year-old Michael Jordan play for us. And then, and then I guess that's a good starting point on getting Marcus Smart. And that's how Boston is negotiating Marcus Smart. But there's new leadership there now. Brad Stevens is running the front office. I don't know what he, what approach he's going to take with team building in general, let alone with Marcus Smart specifically. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I love Marcus Smart. I just freaking love Marcus Smart. He is me too. He is such a great player to have on any team. I mean, he's he is the opposite of KCP, but the same. In that KCP <laughs> KCP fits perfectly because of his skill set, right? And Marcus Smart fits perfectly in spite of his skill set. Uh, don't really care that he isn't a very good shooter, isn't very efficient, and yet doesn't stop shooting. Just a guy who just, yeah, it's such a cliche, and and usually it is a cliche when people say this about players, but Marcus Smart, just like he just makes winning plays. Like that's just true, you know. So Mm
4: -hmm. yeah,
2: but I have no idea what the Marcus Smart trade is. I don't know. What do you think it is? No.
4: Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. You'd have to give up a first. And I know that you have a hard line on that. And he's and it's a rental because he's going to be a free agent. Right next summer.
2: Right. I mean, maybe they want one of the Wizards' swingmen that they have
4: it's a weird look this is a weird year I think not just because of the the weird free agent class but also next year's free agency class it's an it's an interesting kind of window right now on the league like Kyle Lowry is going to be the biggest name that moves and I think that that's about it right DeMar Rosen's going to go somewhere, but is that a real needle-moving move? I don't know. Yeah,
2: I mean, we'll see. Anyway, anything to wrap before we're done?
4: No. <laughs> Not at all. I have, I have nothing. All right. Uh, nothing I'm, to
2: plug, nothing to say, that, no big projects, no oh, big pods? I
4: mean, you know. No. No. No, I mean, it's, you know, we're rolling into the offseason, man. Um, I'm excited for Summer League. I want to see some of these rookies actually doing stuff. Um, and free agency being tomorrow is going to be interesting because we're going to have an eye. I mean, we're going to know where Kyle Lowry's going. And I think that that is, as far as dominoes go in this offseason, that's the biggest one. Minus Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal asking for a trade. Because I don't expect Chris Paul to leave Phoenix.
2: And I don't expect Bradley Beal to be traded at this point.
4: And I don't think Damian Lillard is going to be traded either. Well, So Kyle Lowry going to the Dallas Mavericks is going to be a big deal. Or New Orleans Pelicans. I doubt that one. I, I think it's Miami or Dallas. And if you're Kyle Lowry, are, are you watching Luka Doncic versus the world and saying, oh, no, I don't want to go play with that guy?
2: Philly's going to try hard. Philly will try hard. I mean, Philly
4: makes a lot of sense. Philly makes a lot of sense. Anyway,
2: subscribe to The Athletic, by the way.
4: Yes, do that. Subscribe to The Athletic. Subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe to The Athletic NBA Show. Actually, just subscribe to all the podcasts at The Athletic.
2: (laughs) If you you listen to this podcast regularly and you've been on the fence about signing up for The Athletic, we're doing a deal right now. You can get 50% off for a full subscription to The Athletic, and that gets you everything, all my work, everything else that you want to read on The Athletic, NBA, MLB, NFL, everything, and you can get 50% off on an annual subscription if you sign up now at theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark. Again, that's 50% off for a full subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark. Go crazy. Make that happen. I think it's worth it. I have amazing colleagues. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. If you subscribe to The Athletic, you get this podcast ad-free, by the way, on The Athletic app, so you can check that out there. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. uh, Leave a review five stars. The written reviews are always super helpful in the iTunes rankings and such. I don't know the next time I'm going to podcast, but I think there is a pretty realistic chance that I'm going to end up podcasting later this week because a lot of crap is going to happen. It's free agency. A lot of stuff always happens over the first few days. Ooh,
4: we got breaking news. Breaking news. The Heat just declined Andre Iguodala's $15 million team option. Is Iguodala an option? And
2: they are picking, the up, they are picking up Goran Dragic's. Shams just reported. That's
4: interesting. That's interesting there. Is Iguodala an option? one fewer point guard. I mean... No, he shouldn't be. I mean... Look, he's 38 years old. Not for
2: anything substantial. He really struggled last year. He was not the Andre Iguodala that we've seen.
4: Yeah. It happens. He was good for a really long time. I I, I wouldn't... I mean, listen, unless you feel like you need the, the culture boost... In your locker room, I, I just why would you waste the roster spot? I mean, this team has a lot of good young talent in in his position. I'd rather see those guys get an opportunity, and I think your team is is going to be better off because of that. Um, not that they, not that I thought the Wizards would be a realistic option for for Igodala, but it's how I feel about some of the older veterans generally. Uh, in particular for the wizards and and it stinks because you've got one foot on both sides of the fence right you've got beal who's ready to go but you've got those young guys who are going to be ready to go in like three years so what do you do how do you serve both at the same time i think you got to find a good point guard and uh and hope that everybody figures out how to play defense yeah well let's end this thing dave Let's cut this thing off now. No, it's never. We're never ending
2: it. <laughs> I hope this podcast satiated your Wizards After Dark taste for just a little bit. Uh, I'll be back probably at some point later this week, talking more about Wizards free agency stuff. I'll talk to you guys then.